Hey, this is Pastor Sean Beatty from Clovis Hills Community Church. We're so glad you're listening to our podcast. If you want more information about the church, go to www.clovishills.com or you can download our app in your iTunes or Google Play Store. Enjoy the podcast. First and foremost is this. We are starting a series called uh, The Gospel According to Abraham. And um, Abraham, you're going to find as we read through this story that he is, um, his, name, his name starts off in Genesis 11 as Abram. They call him Abram, which means father. And um, his, his wife is uh, not able to conceive, right? And uh, God promises him, you're going to be this great nation. And he's like, but my wife can't have a baby. We haven't had a baby. I'm old. And he says, and I'm going to change your name to Abraham, right? Abraham means father, or Abram means father. Abraham means father of many, right? So think about it. Abram means papa. Abraham means big papa, okay? <laughs> big daddy. So anyways, um, the, just a dumb little inside joke the sound guy and I had. So, you know, um, one, one of the things that when, when I, was, I was working in um, an after-school program when I was in college... And we would work all summer, and sometimes, you know, we'd work a double shift, and it was a 14-hour day, hanging out with little kids, sometimes, you know, 70, 80 kids to one 20-something-year-old, which was crazy that they put that many kids under my care. Um, and um, I remember I had other, other adults I'd work with, too, and they they're all, you know, 19, 20-year-olds, and um, it was it was a lot of fun. And one of the things we used to do, because we'd get so bored just playing in the park all day, and you can only play Red Rover so many times and go to the public pool with the kids so many times, is um, we had walkie-talkies, and we would communicate from different sides of the park, me, me and the other uh, counselors. And uh, we'd get bored every now and then, and we'd take one of the walkie-talkies, and we'd put it in a Ziploc bag, and then we'd bury it in the sand, just like, like a half an inch in the sand under the slide. And then kids would come down, this, and this one kid, his name was CJ, and we did it to him all the time. He'd come down the slide, and I'd be like, CJ. He'd be like, <laughs> he'd run away, you know. <laughs> I kept doing it to him. And then one time, I'm like, CJ. And he finally stopped and goes, what? <laughs> and I just started having this conversation with him. I'm like, this is the slide talking to you. And he was like, why are you talking to me? And, yeah, and then eventually he got scared and he ran away again. So anyways, I'm a horrible person, but I'm going to talk to you tonight about the call of God and Abraham's call. And sometimes you may feel like you're crazy when God is really speaking to you. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to um, read tonight. Tonight's script. Do we have a scripture reader? I forgot to ask. Um, tonight's scripture. Who do we got? Oh, it's Brendan. This is my man. Listen, if uh, you are want to take a summer university class, if you're taking a, if you are not taking a Wednesday night class, you should. He's teaching one on um, the Holy Land, and he's been there a couple times. He's a seminary stu student. I'm teaching it with him, and it's an awesome class. You didn't expect a commercial, did you, Brennan? That's all right. Thanks That's for right. the plug. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 11 and 12. So rise to your feet, and let's hear from the word of the Lord. This is the account of Tara's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. 
Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the, fam the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah in Shechem. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai in the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called, out on the name, uh, called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the, ne the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. If you didn't know the reference, that, that comes out of Genesis 11, starting in uh, verse 27, and it goes to 12.9, if you're, if you're following along in your Bible. So... Um, Here's the, the interesting thing about a Abraham. See, Abraham was this incredible figure, actually an incredible figure in world history. If you get on Shaw starting at the 99 and you take Shaw all the way into Clovis, you will drive past a synagogue of uh, Jewish, Jewish people. You'll drive past a Messianic church, which is Jewish people that believe in Jesus. You'll drive past many Christian churches, um, like us, Protestant, Catholic, okay? Um, and then you will also drive past a mosque, okay? And here's what you have to understand. Of the four major religions in the world, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, four, three of the four, we all trace our roots back to this one guy that lived in where Iraq would be today. And he left Iraq, he moved with his dad to Turkey, southern Turkey, and then he moved from southern Turkey into what would be Israel today. One dude, one guy that was just, you know, in essence a farmer, and his name was Abraham. And think about that. That one guy has influenced two-thirds of the world's faith, two-thirds of really the, the, the world today, and think about world history. So he must be an important guy, and we must have to understand who he is. And I, I believe this, the better you understand who Abraham is, the better you will understand who Jesus is. And that's why we call this, um, this study the gospel according to Abraham. Because in it, you're going to find um, that, that the whole time, Abraham doesn't know it, but his story, his life, his call, all of that is pointing to Jesus one day coming. Our Savior. So, so we'll, and, and here's the deal. Abraham, he was one of those guys, he didn't let life happen to him. See, because here's the deal. Either life will happen to you or you can happen to life. It'll have you or you'll have it. And Abraham was a guy that, that, that had it. And I want you to understand something. 
He was not perfect. When we do this study, you're going to find he's just like you and me. He was a coward sometimes. He lied sometimes. He, he, he didn't have good character, but God was working on him, taking all of his rough edges over the years of his life and sanding those rough edges out. And as I look into this crowd today, there's a lot of rough edges to be sanded. Amen? All right, so, so I, I want you to understand that he was not perfect. He was like you and I, and that's the good news, is that if God can use Abraham, he can use you. And some of you are like, well, I'm kind of old. Well, really, this story takes off when Abraham's 70 or 80 years old, so God's never done with you, so you can't tune this one out either. So, so here, here's, here's the deal. Um, Abraham also wasn't, a, you know, some people say he was a man of vision, you know, if he helped shape the three major world religions. It wasn't. He didn't have a vision at all, to be honest. Abraham was a man who was driven by a call. And there's a big difference between a call and a vision. And I want to talk to you about what a call is today. Three things about a call. Um, one, it's powerful, it's radical. And then I want to talk about how you get it. So if you have your outline, you can um, pull your outline out. Number one is this, is um, the call of God is powerful. See, here's what, I, I need you to understand something. We started the reading today in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 27. And if you look in the little title on your Bible, it says Abraham's family. And it doesn't start with Abraham. It starts with his father, Terah. And see, most people skip over this. I mean, how many of you, when you read through the Bible, you get to some of those places and it says like, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and the mosquito bites begat the Hittites, and the Hittites begat the Flippites, and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, uh, and your eyes glass over, Right? This is one of those passages where you go, uh, what, big deal, let's get to Abraham. But I want us to stop here for a moment because every bit of Scripture is God-breathed. Every bit of it. So I, 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 there, there's something very important in here, and, and it will really help set up this whole series. And I, I want you to know it. And it's going to help, help us in, in our walk with God, too. If you look in um, verse 27, it says, right, this is the account of Terah's family line, not Abraham's. It says, Terah became the father of Abraham, or Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While, while his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur is in Iraq today. That's where Iraq would be, all right? In the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, Okay. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. And now it says this right here in verse 30. This is the one I want you to underline it if you have your Bible. It says, now Sarai was childless because she was not able to receive or conceive. I want you to think, stop there for a minute. So, so this guy Terah, he lives in Ur of the Chaldeans. And, and I, wa I want you to understand something. Um, in the Bible, from Genesis chapter 3 to where we get right now, Genesis chapter 11. If you haven't read that part, I encourage you to read it during the week. But here's what you have to understand. Humanity at that point in, 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 the, in the world has been spiraling down morally over and over and over. And knowledge of who God is is disappearing and it's getting more and more violent. It's becoming a worse place to live. All of that's going on, right? So, so, and there's one family. There's a guy in, in, in Genesis 4 named Seth. And he was the one, his family line was the only one left after, you know, and it was part of Noah's family that carried the knowledge of who God was, right? And it, 
Seth's family goes all the way down to this guy, Terah. So now Terah is living in Ur the Chaldeans. His family is the only one that knows about God, Yahweh, the God of our, of our Bible. And I want you to know this, though. Um, Terah actually means moon, okay? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a Hebrew, a Chaldean name, that, uh, an ancient Semitic name that means moon. And where he lived, Ur the Chaldeans, was the center of lunar worship. There was all kinds of idol worshiping going on there. And um, so, so Terah, even though his family was the last one, the last family to know about God, they had already kind of forsaken him and were worshiping idols. And if you don't believe me, you can look in uh, Joshua chapter uh, 24 too, because Joshua tells us about it. He says, long ago, your forefathers, even Terah, Abram and Nahor lived beyond the river, the Tigris-Euphrates, that's where Ur is, and worshipped other gods. But the Lord took your father Abraham out of the land beyond the river. See, and when it says that Sarah could not conceive, that she couldn't have children, the original people that were reading the book of Genesis when it was first written, and you have to understand, this is how we interpret Scripture. You don't just read scripture and go, what does it mean to me? And make up whatever the heck you want. The way you interpret the scripture properly is you always go, okay, how are the original readers? How would they have read it? What was the intent of the author, right? And, and the ancient people that would have read Genesis first, they would have seen this right away. That Sarai being barren, not being able to have children, meant it was the end of the line. For the worship of God, the one true God. They would have read it and it would have been like, oh no. And see, sometimes we worry about the state of the world we live in. And oh, everyone's forgetting about God. Everyone's forgetting about God. They may. But it does not make God worry. Because even at the end of the line, and what um, Walter Brueggemann, he's a, um, a theologian and a, and a scholar, and he said this in one of his commentaries. He said, the barrenness of Sarah is an effective metaphor for hopelessness. This is what they would have read. It would have been hopeless, right? Giants fans, you know how that feels right now. <laughs> I'm a Padres fan, so that's every year for me. Don't worry about it. I just kind of look at the beginning of the year and then at the end and go, oh, we didn't go 500 again. So anyways, it's a metaphor for hopelessness. And, and he, this is what's going on. And this is where God, and this is the greatest part about God, is when everything in your life seems hopeless, when it seems like you're at the end, when it's not, it, it seems like it's all over. God is the greatest comeback artist. He's the one that always, he steps in and he always, because he's always faithful to his promises. And he calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans, calls him out of Haran and takes him to a new place. And that's what I want you to know about the call today. We're going to talk about the call because the, the, the call is powerful. See, every Christian is called. You need to understand that. If you are a Christian, you are called by God. And um, for some of you, it may have been a very powerful call that you first heard him. And here's what I want you to understand. There's multiple calls in your life when you become a Christian. Some people, they, they, they associate a call with what happens when you become a pastor or a missionary. And I want you to understand something. Pastors and missionaries are called, but every Christian is called. I remember when I was first called by God. I was five or six years old, and my neighbors brought me to church. 
And I remember the Sunday school teacher talking about how I was a sinner. And even though I was five, six years old, and I mean, what are, what's the depth of sin you can get in at five or six years old, right? Well, some of you are like, you don't know my kid. Um, <laughs> here's the deal. Even though I was five or six years old and I had a very primitive knowledge, I knew I had sinned. I knew that. And when the Sunday school teacher began to tell me that my sin had separated me from God, I just knew in my heart it was true. And he said, anyone that would believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins as a sacrifice, and if you would receive him, your sins will be forgiven. And I felt that knock on the door of my heart. I knew it was God, and I asked Jesus to come in and forgive me of my sins. That was the first call I had. Every Christian at some point has that call. If you weren't called to believe in Jesus, you may want to examine your faith. All of us at some point. And you may be like, no, 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 I chose Jesus. Here's the deal. I get that. I totally get that. Okay? Some of you are like, oh, he's a Calvinist. Listen, let me explain something to you right now. Um, my wife and I chose to marry each other, okay? But I want you to understand something. The day she walked into the church I was youth pastor at, I saw her first. You may have chosen God, but he saw you first. He saw you first. It says in, in the book of Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, Jeremiah. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I knew about your life. And what God is saying to you is, I saw you first, and I was crazy about you. And I was going to do whatever it took to get your attention. Right? It, you know, it, 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 in, in my uh, love affair with my wife, Kelly, I did what it took. I knew the pastor would say, hey, turn around and greet someone. Guess who stood behind her? Some of you are like, what a creeper. Others of you are, <laughs> others of you are taking notes. You're like, oh, okay. Man, that's how I meet a wife. Anyways, God saw you first. He loved you first. He loved you with an everlasting love first. And he calls you to him. That, that's, the, that's the first call you have. And then here's the deal. God continues to call you higher and deeper with him. And that leads me to my second point in this, this sermon. Number two is the call is radical. It's a radical call. It's not just like a, hey, come follow me. It, I mean, it's life-changing. If you look in verse 31, verse 31, if, if, Paul, if you can find that, that's awesome. If not, don't worry about it. But, but verse 31 it says, I'm sorry, verse 1 of 12, 12, 1, I apologize. Verse 12, 1 says, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That was the beginning of the call. It says go. Now that's in the NIV translation, and the NIV translation is a great translation, but sometimes it misses it. Just like every translation sometimes doesn't fully get it. And the King James version, actually, the old school one, the one that's kind of Shakespearean, um, here, here's what I want you to understand. It gets the actual Hebrew word there because the King James, it says, Abraham, get thee out of the land you're in. Get out. Go. Right? That, you know, the NIV is like, hey, if you feel like it, why don't you go move? Right? That's very American. That's how we like to read it. But that's not how it is. It's get out. Go. Leave the land that you're in. It was, a, it was a command. It was a call. And it, it was, a, it was a, a, radi a radical call. And here, here's the deal. 
Abraham's whole family had lived there. Um, wealth back then wasn't in paper money. It wasn't in digital money. It wasn't in Bitcoin. It wasn't any of that. Wealth was the flocks that you had and the ancestral land that you owned. And the ancestral land that you owned would dictate the, how many flocks you had. And what God was saying is, your inheritance, all of that stuff, your father's land, everything, the whole little empire he spent his whole life building that he was going to leave to you, walk away. I'm going to show you something new. And I want you to think about it, right? God has promised Abraham several things in this story. One of which, when he's an 80-year-old man, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And he has, doesn't have any children. He says, you're going to be the father of a great nation. He's 80 years old. Imagine that conversation with his wife when he got home. Oh, Sarah, come here. You know, kind of thing. And she's like, get away, you creepy. You know, that kind of, that's what's going on. But, but here's, here's the other one. Then God says, Abram, leave everything. Leave your father's house, his gods, his land, all that. Leave that behind. You can take the flocks with you, but leave the land and go to a land that I'm going to show you. Now, imagine that conversation with your wife. Hey, honey, um, guess what? We're moving. What? Where are we moving? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Why are we moving? God told me. Like, imagine that conversation in the house with Sarah. So, you, you have to understand something. His, his call was radical. And, and God, after he calls you to be one of his children, right, when you accept Jesus, he keeps calling you to new places. New places spiritually. New places mentally. New places in, in your life. Different 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 seasons of your life. And I, I get people, that they'll set up meetings with me, we'll have coffee, and we'll talk, and they, you know, they'll say, listen, I'm considering becoming a Christian. But if I become a Christian, am I, am I going to um, have to break up with my, my girlfriend or my boyfriend? Or am I going to have to give up this? Or am I going to have to stop doing that? Or am I going to have to um, start doing this? Or am I going to have to do this? And, 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 and they're really weighing all these things. And as a younger pastor, I used to make the mistake of trying to answer those questions for them. I would be like, well, yeah, if you're going to be a Christian, you can't do this, but you can do this. And you'll have to give up this. And yeah, you'll have to give this. And, you'll have to. and, and I want you to understand something. That was a mistake I, I made as a young pastor. Because the truth of the matter is, I wasn't helping them at all by telling them that. Because here's the deal. If that's going through your mind, like, God, I'll follow you, but I don't want to give up this. And you're negotiating with them. You're not answering a call from God. You're negotiating it. And God isn't in charge. He's not driving for you. See, when you become a Christian, what you're saying is, God, I don't know how it's going to work, but you're going to take the wheel and I'll sit in the passenger seat. But for many people, they think they're a Christian, but they're driving and God is just like a GPS giving suggestions of where to go. And if you don't like where God says where to go and what to do, you can go a different way than your GPS. And she might get mad at you and be like, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. <laughs> no big deal. As a matter of fact, if she gets too annoying, you just turn her off. And for most people, that's what they're doing. They're negotiating with God, and God is not at the wheel of their life. God is the GPS system that's suggesting where to go. And God is not the source of their life. God is something they want to enhance their life and supplement their life. And I want you to understand something. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, he calls you to a radical life 
of obeying him and you don't know what it looks like initially. And he calls you to places you don't know. Abraham, go to a land I'll show you. Where is it? I'll show you. That's part of the life of faith. Some of you, you're control freaks and you're like getting hives right now. I know. But here's the deal. Following Jesus, following God, you know, some people will say it's like an adventure, but I don't, I don't think it's like an adventure. As a matter of fact, if you study um, some literary cl- uh, critics, they'll talk about the difference between a quest and an adventure, okay? So uh, there, there is a difference, actually. When you go on an adventure, you know, if you go on an adventure, you go, you do something, something happens, right? And it was a moment you had, and then you come back home, and... You know, it, and you go about living your life how it was, right? In the, in the book, The Hobbit, for those of you that don't like to read, the movie, The Hobbit, right? Bilbo Baggins, he goes, gets the ring, kills the dragon, comes home to the Shire, lives his life out, happily ever after. That's an adventure. Christianity is not an adventure. You don't go, get Jesus, come home, live your life out, happily ever after. It's completely different than that. Following Jesus is a quest. And a quest is completely different. A quest is something that chooses you, and then once you go on it, you may make it to the end, you may not make it to the end, but if you do make it to the end, it has fundamentally changed you. That if you did come home, everyone would be like, wow, what happened to them? See, Luke Skywalker could not go back to the planet Tatooine and be a moisture farmer ever again when he found out about the force. Star Wars nerds are getting chills right now that I know that Luke Skywalker was a moisture farmer. (laughs) He couldn't do it because of what he had experienced in his quest. It had changed him fundamentally. Frodo took the ring to Mordor. The ring chose him, and it fundamentally changed him. Now, I, I am not that big of a Lord of the Rings nerd. Let me give you the story behind this. Um, well, we've all, we, I've always joked, with, one of my mentors in my life is uh, Pastor Steve Davis, and he founded this church. And um, I always joked with him because he's this big, tall, gray guy, and I'm this little short guy. And I lived in a really awesome neighborhood four blocks from the beach, and I was really happy in life, and everything was good, and awesome. And I always joked, I was always like, man, you were like Gandalf. And you came to the Shire. And you stole this little short hobbit away. (laughs) And when I was serving under him, the first year and a half I was here in Fresno, um, he would always, you know, he would always tell me, he goes, Sean, this church is, is heavy. It feels heavy. It's hard to carry sometimes. Right? And we would talk about that and, and how you, you, you process that. And it's part of my, my call. It's not yours. Hopefully it's not your call to lead this church or else I'm out of a job. But anyways, um, <laughs> it was part of my call, right? He says it, it's heavy sometimes. So um, three and a half years ago when you guys voted me to be the senior pastor and Steve stepped into a teaching pastor role, which that's an incredible story in itself. But um, as a, just a, symbolic gesture when we had that service and he we were, I was voted in as a senior pastor on stage he gave me this Lord of the Rings ring I keep it in my office and I remember because I'm on a quest 
And you guys, God has used you guys to fundamentally change me. I'm a different person than I was five years ago. Hopefully I look more like Jesus. Some of you laugh because I, maybe I don't, but I <laughs> <laughs> hope that wasn't my wife. Anyways, here's the deal. God is going to call you to new levels of obedience, to new things throughout your life. And it's going to be scary. And you're not going to know. And you're not going to have full control. And the call of God is not only powerful and it changes you, it's radical. He's going to call you higher and deeper, into deeper levels of obedience, into a deeper relationship with Him. So that leads me to number three, guys, to number three. How do you get it? How do you receive it? See, Abraham left his culture. He left what he knew to be true. He left the idol worship. He left all the comfort. He left everything that was comfortable to him. And he, he, he went out and said, okay, God, I'll go. You're just going to have to show me, and I'm going I'm to trust you. And part of the life of faith, part of the call that God is always going to put on you is there's a, a level of faith. And some of you today, you're saying to yourself, I don't have a lot of faith. And I want to give you good news today. If that's you, if you're here today and you're like, I don't even know if I have any faith in God. I have good news for you. The Bible says this, that faith is a gift from God. It says it in the book of Hebrews. That it's not something that you just muster up on your own. You can't just go, I'm going to have more faith. There's no faith muscle in your brain or in your body. Faith is a gift from God. And here's all you have to do is just ask him for it. Say, you know, in the, in the New Testament, there's a place where um, a guy comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, help me believe. I want to believe. Maybe that's your first prayer. If you want to hear the call from God and you don't have a lot of faith, just maybe your prayer today is, God, give me faith because I don't have any. Or give me faith. I don't have much. And see what God does. See, one of, my, one of my good friends, he's a pastor on the west side at the 24-7 Miracle Center, uh, Pastor Darrell Carter. He says, he says this to me all the time. He goes, Pastor Sean, sometimes you just got to let God be God instead of you. And maybe today that's where you're at. God's calling you deeper. God's calling you higher. But you're scared to let God be God. You'd rather have him be the GPS. And your prayer is, Lord, give me faith. Help me to trust you. I, Peter, Lord, tell me to walk on the water and I will. Right? Tell me to walk on the water and I will. See, you have to ask for it. The other thing is, I, I want you to understand something. If you're a, a believer in Jesus and you haven't heard God call you higher or deeper lately, odds are it's because um, you're not listening. And the way you listen to God is, one, God speaks directly through his word, the Bible, and you need to spend time in God's word on a regular basis. And it's like a muscle. Don't expect to read the whole Bible in a week. It's, you know, it's not like Twilight, okay, or Harry Potter or what, you know, like that. It's, it's a much harder read. But maybe you start small. The other, the other thing you, you probably need to start doing to hear from God is to learn to pray. 
And sometimes is praying is not just speaking to God. Sometimes it's just sitting and being still before God. And I get it. We all live in the 21st century. We're all super distracted. I mean, how many of you, when you pray, you're like, Father God, I just thank you for today. Man, I got to go to Food for Less today. We ran out of pineapple. And um, God, oh my gosh, my kids have football practice this week. And, oh man, burrito would be really good right now. I should go to Chipotle after church. And, oh, and God, thank you for today. And I'm so, I, it, I wonder how many light bulbs we have in church right now. If that's you, you're not alone. Amen? Amen. So here's the deal. Um, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And prayer, listening to God, hearing from God, hearing from God in his word is like a muscle. And if you haven't exercised it in a long time, here's what I want you to know. God's not mad at you. He's not like a trainer going, come on, you fat slob. <laughs> He's like a father saying, all right, try one. Try two now. Try three. Oh, you can't do three. That's all right. We'll do three tomorrow. See, God, God is not mad at you if that's the case. But he wants you to get in the game. He wants you to get in the quest and let the quest change you. Don't let life just happen to you. See, there's something about this story. See, it says in verse uh, 2 and 3, he says to Abraham, this is the part of the call. This is the promise. This is a really important part. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Right? This is a man who is old and has no children. He's the end of the line. He said, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. You know, that's, that's saying something. Abraham was the father of Israel, the father of, the, of a, the Jewish nation. Jesus would not be here today if it were not for Abraham, God using Abraham. And when, when he says, I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless those who bless you, whoever curses you, I will curse. And then it says this, and this is the, where, where God is, it's, it's like a little appetizer, it's like a little foretaste of Jesus. He says, all the people on earth will be blessed through you. See, in order for the whole world to be blessed, there had to be a son. And Abraham had no son. And, and God called Abraham to leave everything and trust him that, he would, that God would provide a son and he would become a mighty nation. But here's what I want you to know. And this is where the gospel comes in. See, God will never ask you to do something he wasn't willing to do himself. See, because God had a son, and his son Jesus left everything. He left the throne of heaven for you and me. He left all comfort. He put on, on, on human form, and he didn't have secret God powers. He wasn't like, oh, I'm going to walk on water now. Oh, I'm on the, on the cross, doesn't hurt because I'm using my secret God powers. He surrendered his power, and he was fully human. That means he didn't know everything either. He didn't have foreknowledge. That he left everything and he trusted his father to die on a cross for you. See, if it weren't for Abraham and it weren't for his son, there'd be no Israel. But I want you to understand something. That's all just an appetizer for the true son that came, Jesus and see, everywhere in the Bible, it points to Jesus. And this morning, some of you, God is calling you higher. You're a believer in Jesus, but your faith has been stagnant. 
And I don't know what your next step is. I wish I could tell you. Sometimes people tell us, give us something tangible. Talk to God. That's part of the life of faith. And God is calling you higher today. He's calling you deeper in the relationship with Him. For some of you today, you were on the quest, maybe early in life, and you got off track. God's not mad at you either. Do you think He's surprised? Do you think when you got off track, he went, oh my gosh, what a shocker in this, in this story of their life. No, God knew. He knew you would. And he knew today he'd call you back. For some of you today, today's the first day Jesus has really knocked at the door of your heart. And you're hearing that first call from God. Don't deny it. Invite him in. Invite him in. Don't put it off till later. Today's the day. Invite him in. We have a cool tradition here at Clovis Hills. When someone gives their life to Christ, when they invite Jesus in, we ask them to come get a light bulb and a Bible. And we give them this bulb. And on the Jesus' life signs, it looks like big light bright signs if you came in today. There's a ton of empty light sockets in there. So don't stick your finger in there, by the way. You'll get a new hairdo. You'll get slain in the spirit. Listen. If today's the first day, today's the day you heard the call and you want to receive Jesus, one of the things we always invite you to do is come get a bulb and go screw it in that sign over there. And that bulb will mark the day that God calls you. This day, July whatever, what's the date? It's summer, give me a break. This day, July 9th, God called you. And every time you walk in this sanctuary, to worship Jesus, you can look over at that sign, you can look over at this bulb and say, that was the day God first called me. And I encourage you to do that. This morning, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray with you, and you can invite Christ into your life. And some of you, you've done that before, and you just need to get back on the quest. And then we're going to worship together as God's people. And I invite you, while the song's playing, come forward, come, get, get, and I'll give you a bulb, and I'll bless you. And um, let's bow our heads.